Hello, everyone. Welcome to the Press Any Button Gaming Podcast. My name is Eric, and I am joined here by Andrew, and we're here to talk about all the gaming news that happened this past week, as well as talk about some of our favorite things in gaming this week as well. How are you doing, Andrew? I'm doing pretty good. Thanks for the intro. Hi, everyone. Welcome to the podcast. We hope you enjoy um, what we have for you today. So we're just going to jump right into it with our first category of gaming news. Nice. Yeah, so we have a few stories today. Uh, You know, all of these categories, as always, are picked uh, through our most interest in these stories. With the first one, if those of you who don't know, being a Star Wars story, because I'm a big Star Wars fan. So, a new Star Wars game was just announced, and Amy Henning is back making a new Star Wars game. For those of you who don't know Amy Henning, she is one of the creators of the Uncharted series, and she is back making a Star Wars game, this time with Skydance New Media. Uh, she used to be working on a Star Wars game back in the day for EA that was codenamed Project Ragtag, and that game got delayed a couple times, and then eventually it was cancelled. But now she's back with a new company, making a new Star Wars game. There are some rumors that she might be reviving that previously worked on game that was codenamed Project Ragtag. That was supposed to be kind of like an Uncharted-esque Star Wars game. But yeah, this is good news. There's plenty of Star Wars games in development. Andrew, does this have you interested at all to hop into Amy Henning's Star Wars game? Yeah, I mean, the Star Wars franchise in general is just one that I really... I really enjoy. Um, not going to say that I'm a hardcore fan, but I have seen all the movies at least once. <laughs> and, uh, you know, a big fan of The Mandalorian. Um, so, yeah, I, you know, to be honest, I, I don't have many Star Wars games under my belt, but I am definitely looking to check this one out. Absolutely. Um, I've been noticing quite a few uh, Star Wars games, even just, you know, older ones that released um, on previous consoles get like a, a remaster on like the switch and on uh, you know some of the other platforms so it, it's great you know I think um, I'm, I'm really looking forward to it I mean Star Wars is just one of those franchises that never die they just transcend time um, you know you could talk to any generation and they know it and they love it so super exciting can't wait to to get my hands on this one yeah and especially because it sounds like this one is going to be so closely in the same vein as the Uncharted games as for me, like as someone who loves Star Wars, who loves Uncharted, that kind of sounds like the dream game. <laughs> like I'll, I'll take that any day of the week. And, you know, with, with her pedigree and uh, the impact that she's had in games, like Uncharted was such a big influence on third person cinematic action adventure games. So it seems like they're going to hopefully be pushing new ground on this one as well. They describe the project in the article as richly a richly cinematic action-adventure game featuring an original story set in the Star Wars galaxy, which also has me thinking if it's a completely original game with completely, possibly original characters, I wonder who is going to make appearances in it. Because, you know, in every Star Wars uh, piece of media, whether it's uh, the books, the movies, the TV show, there's always going to be an appearance of some character that we already know about. So, but I'm curious, question, another side question though, that I just thought of right now, what character would you want a Star Wars game to be made of? Like which character, if they were like, hey, Andrew, we're making a Star Wars game and it's starring X character, would you be like, 
hell yeah, I'm playing that game immediately. Like, no questions asked. I don't even know. I don't even <laughs> need to know what the game is about. It's just this character's in it, I'm playing. Yeah, you know, that's that's an interesting question. There's so many that are, you know, um, that are right now just kind of competing for, for that number one answer. But, um, you know, I'm a big fan of Baby Yoda Grogu. That'd be really <laughs> cool. Um, I, I think a lot of folks can echo... Um, my opinion on that. So that would be pretty cool for sure. Um, Mandalorian as well, I think would be, um, would be pretty awesome. I, I, I really like that character a lot. Um, and then just for jokes, Jar Jar Binks. Do <laughs> <laughs> you imagine? I, what, what would that, <laughs> like, like what would that get, would it be an action game at that point? Like a third person action adventure game? Could you imagine Jar Jar like platforming yeah. and, oh God. I don't know. We need we need a badass Jar Jar, you know. <laughs> I'm I'm just imagining Jar Jar Jinx like just like super sorry Jar Jar Binks just super serious like <laughs> hopping around. Oh my gosh! Yeah, honestly, Jar Jar hilarious pick. Uh, I mm. I I would love personally an Ahsoka game because she's just such an interesting character, and you know we've gotten a lot of her from the Clone Wars TV series and. Now she's kind of made her live action appearance in The Mandalorian. She's going to get her own live action TV series. It'd just be so cool to get her in her own game. I feel, you know, we, we've had some interesting Jedi games in the past, but she's she's a little more unique than some of the other ones that we've seen, uh, especially because she does wield two lightsabers at once. So it would offer a little bit of an interesting, unique play style. I, I'd be interested to see it, but honestly, a Grogu game, so cool. <laughs> Yeah, like, know, like, right? like, would would you play as Grogu, or would Grogu be like the other character that you play as, kind of like in The Last of Us? Like, I'm totally seeing a Last of Us type game with like you play as the Mandalorian, which would be Joel, and then eventually you play as Ellie, which would be Grogu, I guess. <laughs> That's so funny. To be honest, I would take either, but I was thinking more along the lines of main character that you play as is Grogu. Damn, Grogu solo game. I love it. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I know. <laughs> That's so good. Uh, honestly, know, though, you're really cool. that'd be hilarious. But we're moving on to the next story, which is Xenoblade Chronicles 3 to launch in July, which is months earlier than originally announced, which you often don't see too often this day. So Nintendo and Monolof Soft have announced that Xenoblade Chronicles 3 will launch on July 29th for the Nintendo Switch. The game was previously set for a September release date, but it has actually been pushed forward. A new cinematic trailer or a new trailer for Xenoblade Chronicles 3 was posted as well. So Andrew, as the Xenoblade expert of this <laughs> podcast, <laughs> what do you make of this news? And let's just get you more excited for the game. Yeah, this is super hype. Um, you know, it, it's kind of, it's interesting because we, we talked about the opposite, um, sort of, you know, not knowing when release dates are going to be and, you know, delays with when it comes to, to launches and releases. So it's it's actually quite refreshing to see the opposite happen for such a big uh, AAA game. So here we have Xenoblade Chronicles 3, um, that will be releasing earlier than expected. And I think a lot of fans are super excited about it. No one saw that coming. Um, and I think, you know, you ask any fan, they'll take it. You know, no one's going to complain that the game is going to be coming out earlier. I think when the, when the first trailer dropped um, and we were given a release date, 
I felt like that was very soon. I was like, this is, wow, this is just, you know, a few months away. Like, and, and now it's even closer. <laughs> so, so, you know, I'll take it. Um, I'm a big RPG fan. Um, I haven't, I'm going to be completely honest, I haven't played or completed Xenoblade Chronicles 3, sorry, 2, but, uh, but I have beat Definitive Edition on Nintendo Switch, and I thoroughly enjoyed the experience from, you know, the battle mechanics to the music to the art direction. Um, yeah, I, I can't say enough good things about it. It, it really is a must-play. If you haven't checked that game out, um, definitely... Uh, check it out, especially the, the definitive edition on Nintendo Switch if you have one. So um, go get that right away. <laughs> you won't regret it. Uh, there will be at least one or two things that you enjoy from that game. Um, I almost guarantee it. So, um, but back to Xenoblade Chronicles Three. I mean, it's like the everything just looks better, right? Like the graphics look better. Um, the music is is amazing from from the trailer um i'm i'm just hyped to to get my hands on this game and um you know for for all the collectors out there uh i am a collector myself there is an exclusive collector's edition that will only be available on the nintendo uh the online nintendo store which is quite odd <laughs> um, so i don't think it's going to be able it'll be available through any major retailers um through amazon um or you know any of those any of those places i think you'll, you're going to have to go directly to the nintendo website um, create an account have your credit card information saved or uh, paypal and just kind of you know um be on the lookout for for when that drops um highly recommend following some twitter accounts to get the uh, notification on the drop as soon as possible because i have a feeling that when they do announce this it'll go really really quick and you don't want to be paying um you know more than you have to uh through scalpers uh trying to get one of these so that was just kind of a little bit of a side tangent but um eric I, you know I, I'm, I'm curious are you a have you played xenoblade at all any of the any of the previous games um you know are you are you an action rpg fan uh or just rpgs in general uh and and how do you feel about this this announcement that the game is going to be releasing months earlier than originally announced. Oh my gosh, yeah. So I I love RPGs, love action RPGs. Though Xenoblade, the the franchise in particular, is a bit of a blind spot for me personally. I've never really gotten into it for whatever reason. Maybe there's just always games coming out around it. Uh, but this one looks really interesting. Like like you said before, it looks really polished. But it looks like they're trying a bunch of new things that. I don't remember really seeing in the previous games. It looks like you can have like seven people at once on the battlefield, which looks very interesting and dynamic. Like you said, uh, you know, the cinematics look really, really polished. And they're also adding in, I've just been reading like some additional new gameplay called like the interlink system, which looks very, uh, well, it looks, it looks very anime. -esque. I mean, the whole thing looks super like anime esque, but it looks very actually in particular, very evangelian-esque which has me very interested in how they're mm. going to pull that off in particular so yeah i i don't know if i would give it a try maybe because the release date is hitting at a good time i feel like had this release in the fall like they initially had it planned for uh it would kind of get lost in a lot of the shuffle so 
them moving it up to July in the summer months has me a lot more interested because there's a lot more breathing room around then. Usually there's not huge game releases in the months of summer, like in July, August, and whatnot. So maybe this will give it a chance for it to really shine and be separated from some of the other big game releases this year, which I think is partially why they did it. And then coming up to our next news story, I think there's another game that Nintendo's releasing in the fall as to why this got pushed up. But no, like super excited about this. Uh, might have to pick it up just, you know, that backlog is is ever growing, but you yeah. know what? Th this might this might be one to, to bite the bullet on. I I'm all I'm interested in right now though is for Xenoblade fans of the series and Andrew, maybe you can answer this or other people who are listening can answer it. But w would I personally need to be playing the other Xenoblade games to hop into this one, or are all they all all of them kind of separate from each other? Kind of like how Final Fantasy you don't really need to play Final Fantasy VI to to know what's going on in Final Fantasy VII, for instance. Yeah, no, that's a, that's an interesting question. Um, one that I wish I could answer because I've only I've only played Definitive Edition, um, so so I guess to answer that question, I would have had to play um, Xenoblade Two to see if I needed to to know well it, to see if it helped to know what I learned from the previous game. Um, but I I think you know it's interesting. I think there's a lot of lore um, that would definitely make your experience i think a lot different if you if you played the previous games and you had more information going into two um and so i'm gonna say you can play it without having previous knowledge of uh the story but um you know if you really want to get the most out of it as with anything i think in general um you're it, it definitely helps to play the, the previous games. Um, but don't let that hold you back because um, they are really long games. <laughs> you're gonna be you're gonna be committing hours upon hours um, playing playing these games. And if you're a completionist, even even more on top of that. Um, these are, are notoriously lengthy games that are gonna require uh, a lot of dedication. Um, so you know you're, you're gonna want to keep that in mind uh, when it comes to um, picking up one of these games and you know seeing it seeing it out all the way to to the end of the story um, and even if you want to go back and play the previous games they, they are long um, you know you, you can kind of bypass all of the side quests and whatnot uh, but there's a lot of grinding as there are with a lot of RPGs um, you know leveling up building your your skills um, getting used to the combat system uh, all those things are going to take time. So long story short, if you have time, if you really fall in love with the franchise, um, go back and play the other games because they're awesome. But if you don't have the time uh, and you're just trying it out for the for the first time, I, I would say, you know, still pick it up, but maybe don't go and play the first and second, just jump right into the third. Um, you know, the, there's a lot of things that are polished. Um, you know, I, I'm sure they've changed some of the battle systems and, you know, uh, you know, the, the different kind of um, mechanics that are that are involved there. As you mentioned, I think there's like seven people, seven characters on the battlefield at once, which is new. So, um, yeah, I, I think there's there's enough new that you won't really necessarily have to go back to appreciate it and enjoy it. Um, 
So it really just depends. You know, if you're an RPG fan, you're okay to commit several hours to playing this and seeing it through, and then go for it. Andrew, real quick, because uh, you mentioned how long these games are, and then we'll end it here on this story, but I, I just went to look on how long to beat the website for Xenoblade Chronicles, the whole series. Do, do you want to take a guess at the recommend or the main story like recommended length that they have for the original xenoblade chronicles it's probably like 100 hours so they have just if you're just mainlining it it's 68 and a half hours if you're doing main plus a little bit of extra it's 100 hours like you were saying okay and then a completionist yeah. is 162 hours <laughs> oh my gosh and apparently <laughs> it, seems, it seems about right and it kind of is the same thing with xenoblade chronicles 2 with the exception of the completionist is 253 hours which is insane that's like that's like a bunch of that's like my whole gaming time for the whole year right in there <laughs> that's insane yeah 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 but, it's definitely a tough one you know if you're someone that works like a nine to five you know, monday to friday like you know the both of us do it's it's tough it's tough to kind of recommend going back and playing the previous games before you play the new one that's about to release um but if you're an rpg fan you know uh, might not take much convincing exactly i think for people who they, like they, RPGs, they are really that, awesome you know mm. it's just going to be a natural part of it for them and possibly something that they really like but speaking yeah. of stuff that we really like splatoon 3 was just announced and it is coming this september uh this is coming from ign splatoon 3 will be released on september 9th and we got a new trailer showing off some new gameplay and it is the 4v4 turf war battle which has some new stages, which has some new weapons. It looks super cool. As someone who played Splatoon myself, I really enjoyed this trailer. I uh, didn't get to play Splatoon 2, but thankfully Nintendo also revealed that Splatoon 2, the Octo expansion DLC, will be available as a free download on the Nintendo Switch Online expansion pass for subscribers, which is pretty cool. Maybe that'll be something That's that awesome. will catch me up and get back into Splatoon 2 before hopping into Splatoon 3. So, Andrew, as the resident Splatoon expert of this <laughs> podcast, what do you think of this trailer? And are you happy we finally got a release date for it? Oh yeah, super hype. Um, that that was a that was something that was lingering on the minds of a lot of Splatoon fans: was when are we going to get our hands on Splatoon three? So, uh, I I am just ecstatic. I, I'm super happy that we finally have a concrete um eight and you know just kind of looking over the trailer again like there's there's so many really cool things that pop out i mean uh splatoon has that iconic um you know sort of just vibrancy and colors uh, of all the paint and they just have this really unique gameplay experience where you know first and foremost you're looking to paint the floor um in front of you and around you versus um attacking the opposing team which is very typical of most um you know first person shooters uh so you know there's there's so many new things here in the trailer you you have you know the sport the four team members starting in the air uh you can really just um you can you can find or locate your your area that you want to launch down into uh and here in the gameplay trailer we see just you know, so many really cool um, specials, specials that are uh, that are new, that are reminiscent of Splatoon 1, Splatoon 2, 
this map, I believe, um, might be a reimagining of a, of a previous map from Splatoon 1, I'm not completely sure, but um, it's definitely not from Splatoon 2. I, I Just for a little context, I haven't played Splatoon 1, I've only played Splatoon 2, and I'm um, going to talk a little bit about that uh, later on in our, our next segment. Um, but, you know, the specials, they look amazing. It, it's great that we have, you know, some of the older um, specials coming back, some of the older weapons as well that didn't make an appearance in Splatoon 2. Um, and, you know, we, we still have some Splatoon, Splatoon 2 uh, items, um, weapons, specials intact. So there's, there's going to be a lot of nostalgia here. There's going to be a lot of new as well. So I think it's just very exciting overall for, for all the Splatoon fans, and just even for folks that are, that are going to be experiencing it for the first time. Um, so what were, uh, what were your thoughts, Eric, on, on this trailer? Um, you know, what are your thoughts just in general um, on Splatoon? And, you know, having played Splatoon 1, um, did you did you like it enough to go into, you know, to go visit Splatoon 2 or even just um, pick up Splatoon 3? Yeah, this, this trailer looks really, really good. Uh, making me question if I should pick this up or not. Like, like you mentioned, some of the new abilities in this look so good. I'm not sure how much has been changed from 2 since I didn't play that, but it, it looks like such an evolution from the first conception of this game, which is the first game. And honestly, I don't know, like there's even like bow and arrows and stuff. And I'm like, well, what? Yeah, that's new. <laughs> I'm, like, <laughs> I'm like, what is going on in this game? Like the, I really enjoyed my time with Splatoon 1. Uh, I felt like it was a really accessible shooter because it didn't require you necessarily to have like God mode like aim like some other shooters do because even if you weren't hitting your target, if you, if you weren't hitting the other team every single time, your your paint always went to something that contributed to the team because it would go onto the ground somewhere. So, and yeah. it's it's more about like how you use your abilities to work with your team. So it's not as much like hey, uh, you know, Call of Duty esque where you got to have pin pin like precision aim, which I really liked about the game. It, it felt like a fun kind of relaxing shooter to play. Which honestly, I can't say about a lot of shooters. Most shooters have me. A little bit stressed out though i kind of enjoy that aspect mm -hmm. of it but this one just has something else to it that you know it just it just makes it fun to play and i think i might have to give three a try at this point because all the new abilities that they've added in here just look fantastic I, i'd be excited to, to play it with you of course but yeah, yeah i i yeah. mean <laughs> i mean it's coming on september 9th and i know how we we spoke about last time the release date of you know, certain games coming out a little too early or sometimes a little too uh, late. And last week we spoke about Kingdom Hearts 4 possibly getting a little bit too of an early reveal and whatnot, and then we don't have a release date as well. But I think, just to circle back to Xenoblade as well, I think Nintendo is doing a really, really good job with, you know, kind of safeguarding their release dates for some games, like we've gotten for Xenoblade. And like we've had for Splatoon, because I think, like you mentioned earlier, you kind of alluded to it, but Xenoblade was slated for September and everybody thought, no way that game's coming out September. Like that game is, it was primed for like a delay because everybody's like, no, that, that seems too early. That, that is not going to happen. And for them to kind of double down on it and be like, oh, you thought this was going to get delayed. Well, watch us move it up a few months. And then now they're like, oh, and by the way, Splatoon's taking that, that release date spot of September. 
which is crazy. So Nintendo obviously is killing it right now with the Switch, but I think they're mm-hmm. also doing a really good job with you know sending out their release dates not too too far in advance. I I know you can kind of maybe look back to Breath of the Wild and whatnot, but aside from that particular game, I feel like all their other games they kind of have like a nice like little banger of a trailer. And then they come up with a release date shortly after that that isn't too far off in the distance so that we're not waiting too too long to to play their titles like even they have like the nintendo switch sports thing that's coming out later this month actually it's coming out next week of the time of this recording yeah exactly and and they didn't announce that too far in advance so i don't know nintendo is is really you know, doing doing it the way that I prefer, which is having these release dates not too far off from the announcement trailer. Not sure how you feel about that, Andrew. Yeah, no, I echo everything that you just said right now. Um, and, you know, the Breath of the Wild um, situation is definitely an anomaly, so I'm not going to judge Nintendo too much off of that. Um, I don't think it would be fair to do so when, you know, a lot of the other things that they do is usually on point. Um, and, you know, with this with recent development of Xenoblade being pushed up and Splatoon finally get getting a concrete um, release date, I'm happy. I think a lot of people are happy. Um, you know, I'll definitely be playing Xenoblade 3 <laughs> while I wait for Splatoon 3. Um, so many threes this year, it's great. Yeah. Um, <laughs> uh, yeah, you know, you know um, I'm, I'm just overall happy about it. Um, I can't wait. As someone that loves both of these franchises, they are um, day one pickups for me. I will not be waiting for a sale on these things. I'm gonna be, I'm gonna be snatching them up right away uh, and thoroughly enjoying every moment of it. So, um, yeah, Splatoon three looking looking amazing. So many really cool things in there. Um, you know, some of the things that you mentioned about just being very accessible for for all ages. It, it it really is. It's so unique. It's so different from all of these first person shooters. And that's, you know, that in of itself is something is one of the reasons why I would recommend it. Um, like like as I mentioned. Um, painting the ground in your surroundings as ju- is just as important as taking out the opposing team, like shooting directly at the enemy. So, you know, it just, it makes for such a really cool and dynamic gaming experience. Um, One, unlike anything that you've played before. Um, In fact, if the enemy team is standing in your ink, your team's ink, that will actually um, take some of their health away. So it'll be much easier for you to um, to splat them. <laughs> so, um, you know, it's like, you don't have to have that pinpoint accuracy. Uh, the RNG on some of these weapons are pretty good. Um, you know, there's so many, uh, weapons as well. Like there's something for yeah. everyone. There's the, oh my gosh, I can't even like, I've, I've been playing Splatoon 2 and uh, I can't, I can't say off the top of my head how many there are, but there are just sections upon sections of, of different weapons. And, um, you know, different sub weapons. So there's so many, there's so much variety. It's just so unique. The characters, they look really cool, really vibrant, very interesting, uh, in my opinion. So there's so many good things um, to say about this game. And so many reasons why I would recommend it. Um, So definitely keep your eyes out uh, for this game. And if you're still not convinced, wait for some reviews. I'm sure they're going to be amazing, just like they were for Splatoon 1 and Splatoon 2. Um, but yeah, can't, can't say any more than that. I'm just super, super excited, looking forward to it. Yeah. And you know what? 
Speaking of stuff that might not make us quite as excited, the next news story that we have is from IGN as well. PlayStation wants ads in its games. Similar to what Microsoft was saying last week about including advertisements into their free-to-play games, it seems as though PlayStation is also testing the waters for its own advertisement program. So according to Advertising Insider, Sony wants to encourage developers to create free-to-play games by adding this new way to monetize them beyond microtransactions and battle passes. Similar to what we know about Xbox's program, the goal for Sony is for its ads to fit in with the rest of the game, like putting real-life ads on billboards in virtual sports stadiums, uh, I guess, you know, because everybody loves those. Sony is also looking into rewarding players for watching ads and promotions with in-game items including avatars and skins. So, Andrew, how do you feel about this? Oh, gosh. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. I, I'm just not a fan of ads in general. Um, I don't think ads have ever worked on me. Um, they, they still annoy me <clears throat> quite a bit, actually, um, on YouTube. Uh, if I can skip them, I will. If I'm usually quite annoyed when I can't skip them. Uh, and even to the point where I'll take off my headphones so I don't hear the ad playing for like, you know, what is it, like 10, 15, 18 seconds, whatever it is. Um, just not a fan at all of, of ads. I, I really dislike them. So anytime you're trying to include ads in any service, I am not for it. So I don't know. What, what are your thoughts on it, Eric? How do you, how do you feel about it? Uh, I'm in a similar wavelength with you. I, I'm really interested to see how this is going to be implemented because it looks like they are going to be throwing this out by the end of the year. Uh, Xbox has almost an exact quarter. They, I think they said third quarter of 2022. Uh, apparently Sony's looking to do it at some point by the end of the year. So it looks like they will both be doing this by the end of 2022. Uh, you know, the article goes into Sony uh, being a partner with some of these ad companies and that they have a strict vetting process and selecting ad partners and that, you know, no personal information will be coming in or out, yada, yada, yada. Nobody likes this news, honestly. I, I don't I don't know a person maybe other than the people who are profiting from this that will actually like this. Uh, the good news is that it's it seems like this will only be in free-to-play games. So it's not like the new God of War is going to come out and there's going to be like a Supreme ad with like Kratos in the background, like on a billboard somehow worked into the game. That would be terrible because that would really take you out of the game. Uh, I can't even imagine. Uh, you just see like Atreus roll up with like new Nikes all of a sudden. It's just like, whoa, what? <laughs> but yeah, I, I don't think they're going to be doing that, thankfully. However, free-to-play games have always, you know, been around uh, with the guys that, they aren't really totally free to play if you want the full experience or that you have to do a lot of extra work than someone who pays for the microtransactions. So I'm wondering, you know, just looking at this from maybe, I don't like it, but if I'm looking at it from another angle here, maybe with the implementation of some ads, maybe there'll be some fewer microtransactions. Maybe that's a little naive of me to think because I feel like a lot of these company, companies will just add in the ads on top of the microtransactions and nothing will change there. But one can hope maybe this will be the betterment of some of their game somehow, but I'm totally on the same wavelength as you, Andrew. It's like, we get ads everywhere else, like everywhere you look, you turn on your TV, you turn on your computer, 
like you're driving on the highway like you're gonna get ads so i feel like video games were always a nice little reprieve from all the advertisement and some of the the bs that we get in the world so kind of them scheming a way to put it in here doesn't make me feel great but hey maybe if there's something good to come out of it who knows but we'll see i guess you know, i guess it's a long ways off <laughs> You know, it's interesting you brought that up because I was just thinking to, about it myself, right? Like video games, just entertainment in general is like an escape, right? It's it's something, it's something, a place that we can go to to just unwind or just, you know, forget about the problems that are going on in our lives. Um, and I feel with the addition of these these ads, it really just kind of, it takes you out of the, the immersion, like the experience of of um that these different um you know these different sort of systems and these um you know what these consoles do right like they they really it really pulls you out of it and it, it sucks it's discouraging um i it's 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 weird i feel like it's times like these where you know business starts to kind of just rear its ugly head and you realize oh gosh, yeah, like, you know, all of this really revolves around money, you know, and, you know, these businesses just wanting to capitalize and, you know, and sometimes it, it almost feels like companies trying to take advantage of their fans and of their user base. And um, it leaves a bad taste in, in our mouths as a consumer. So it's, um, yeah, it, it's it sucks sometimes when when you start to kind of see these things and and um, you know the thought jumps into your mind like oh gosh like you know do they even care about us right like <laughs> they just sometimes it, it doesn't feel like they do and they're just trying to make a buck a quick buck and how can they make more money and you know I, I understand it from a business side but I also think you know um, there's definitely better ways to, to go about doing some of these things. Um, and, you know, I know we didn't have this on our, on our list of uh, gaming news, but, you know, one that comes to mind that was, you know, really big in the news lately was um, Gran Turismo 7. Mm, yeah. And, you know, all the microtransactions there and, you know, how you couldn't even... Like it's just a strictly online game. You couldn't even play the game if the servers were down, which is outrageous. Makes completely no sense. You're paying full price for a game. You should be able to play it and do whatever you want with it. Um, and it's yeah, that's just it's just discouraging when you start to see these things, right? Like all the microtransactions and you know, um, like just to kind of go over it quickly. Like there were some cars, like the the best cars in the game that you couldn't even get your hands on um, unless you like spent hours upon hours um, getting in-game currency or using real life currency. And then even there, um, even then actually, some of the cars would only be in the shop for a very, very limited amount of time. So yeah. it would just create this FOMO and you wouldn't know when this car would come up again. And so what you would do is just kind of keep playing um, hours upon hours, which I don't think the average person really has the ability to do. And, or you would just have to spend your hard-earned money on a game that you already spent your hard-earned money on. Mm -hmm. uh, full price at that. And um, yeah, it's just you don't want to play the game anymore. You know, <laughs> you just realize, okay, it's just a huge money grab. 
Like it's 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 creating real world problems for me because <laughs> I'm spending yeah. way too much money on this game that's supposed to bring me, uh, you know, joy and supposed to help me unwind and uh, you know forget about my my problems. So I, I have a pretty big issue with that. Yeah, exactly. And, and thankfully, with this, it sounds like they won't be rolling it out into paid games, which is is good because they shouldn't. Because if, like you mentioned, like you paid your money, you shouldn't be getting ads in it. But it also sounds like on top of that, though, the weird thing is that there will be ads that you can watch, or there'll be skippable ads, which kind of reminds me of like a mobile like game like a free-to-play mobile game uh, like i'm sure everybody here has played one at some point but like it's like you watch an ad and then you get in-game items or you get like a special currency that allows you to keep playing more i hope they don't do that it, it sounds like they're gonna implement some way of doing that but man I, I i'm never a fan of doing those types of things just to get something additional in the game like let me go earn it let me go get it in a in a very meaningful way that makes me keep re returning back to your game but, you know, speaking of returning back to things, Returnal wins big at the BAFTAs. This is our next news story coming out of Video Games Chronicle. Returnal has won the Best Game Award at this year's BAFTAs Awards, and it wins much more. So, Returnal, which was released last year, along with all the other games that were nominated for the BAFTAs this year, uh, there was quite a lot of awards that were given out. Let's run through some of the biggest ones that were announced. So, Best Game goes to Returnal, Animation goes to Ratchet & Clank Rift Apart, Artistic Achievement, The Artful Escape, Audio Achievement, Returnal, British Game, Forza 5, Debut Game, Toem, Evolving Game, No Man's Sky, Family Game, Chicory, uh, Game Beyond Develop, or Beyond Entertainment is Before Your Eyes, and then it keeps going on and on and on. Returnal wins a few more, It Takes Two wins a few more, and even Unpacking wins a couple of games as well, or a couple of awards as well. So what do you think about the awards, Andrew? And are you going to give Returnal a shot finally? <laughs> <laughs> oh, man, I, uh, that's a hard one. I don't know if it's worth my time. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> um, it's, it's, I've heard so many great things about it. So many, um, so many, like, so many people just call it like their, their favorite game. Like they're, they're, uh, they really have so many great things to say about it. And that's not that's not why I haven't played it. It's just the backlog, right? Like the never-ending backlog. Um, and right now, um, you know, I, I've kind of mainly been sinking my teeth into my Switch, um, but I have been meaning to get back to my PlayStation 5. Um, you know, I'm kind of justifying it to myself, uh, saying, you know, like my partner, she's enjoying the PlayStation 5. Um, I'm giving her her time to to enjoy that. And then maybe we'll kind of do a little switcheroo and, and I'll play some some PlayStation games. So uh, it's on the backlog um, near the, the top of the backlog. Uh, so hopefully I'll, I'll play that soon. But Ratchet & Clank is one that my partner beat. She thoroughly enjoyed the, enjoyed the experience. It actually, it was her first PlayStation 5 game. Um, and she had so many great things to say about it. Um, I was just kind of a, a fly on the wall when it came to the gameplay experience, but I was just in awe of the graphics. And you, you couldn't even tell when a scene ended and when gameplay began, because it just was a very seamless experience. And I, I can't believe that we're already at that point in video games where 
you can't even tell the difference. Like when when does uh, when does the scene end and when does gameplay begin? Um, it's just so cool, and um, you know it, it makes complete and total sense that these games are up for for awards and and have won. So um, congrats to them for sure. Yeah, Ratchet and Clank, you really nailed it. Like deserving of that animation award. And it's it's just such a fun game to play. Like it even won an award later on for technical achievement that we didn't hit upon. But yeah, I think the big story here is is Returnal, right? With it winning best game, like sound design, audio achievement. Like the audio in that game is incredible. Uh, for those like who follow me, like you'll know that Returnal for me last year was my personal game of the year. Uh, followed up very very closely by It Takes Two, which also won quite a lot of awards as well like it went for best original property and best multiplayer that's another one you got to play as well andrew if uh, if you have time with your partner because uh, that that's also on ps5 so you'll be able mm. to play that alongside them and yeah i think it, it's it's good to see all of these games get recognized like even unpacking get no- nominated or winning for best narrative which is huge if, if you guys haven't played unpacking it's such like a little cozy puzzle game where you are just organizing various rooms in which this person lives in throughout their life and you can kind of see the story being told as you organize their room of you know what what things have been introduced into their life what's going on in their life as you move through different parts of you know like whether they're just entering into school whether they're getting their first job or buying their first house or whatnot it's it's so cool it's such an interesting way of doing storytelling in a game and i i just have to shout it out here because i had such a good time with that uh, but yeah, Returnal, like, it, it, it's killing it. I, I'm so glad because, like, it's it's Housemark's big game of moving away from some of, like, the more, like, arcade shooter. Like, it certainly still is an arcade shooter, but it's on such a big cinematic scale, which is something that they haven't really done before. To my understanding, they even had to hire, like, an, ent- an entire narrative team just to, you know, kind of write and really build up the narrative in the game, which is also fantastic so i i'm really happy like they've been they've been one of my favorite developers for some time ever since i played resogun and i'm just really happy to see them flourish here and see them get recognized on such a big stage that the baptas are so i i know like we're we're well into 2022 at this point but if you happen to have a ps5 and you haven't played returnal certainly would recommend it and they even have a new co-op mode that came out they even have a new like endless survival mode that came out so like they're adding stuff to the game as well, so they haven't slept on it. But I also know Returnal is, I think, one of the games that they mentioned for the new PS Plus uh, kind of release that's coming out later this year. So uh, if you don't want to buy it, you can always hold off until that and play it, play it on there as well. But yeah, uh, any any last thoughts on this one, Andrew? Yeah, um, you know, one that just crossed my mind. Uh, I remember this was uh, this was probably like earlier. Um, around its release, but there were like there were some issues around lack of safe points in the game. Yeah. Um, and you know, I, I heard uh, that players would you know kind of be hours into into their run and their game would crash and they would lose all their progress. Is that something that's been fixed in Returnal? Yeah. So Do they have they have some game point uh, some some save points now to so avoid they... that from happening. They don't have like a save system, to my understanding. I haven't hopped at it in a in a little bit, uh, but I, I definitely have to return to it for like this co op and survival thing. Uh, they 
from my understanding, they haven't put in any new save spots, but they do have like that resume feature. I don't think that existed at when it was initially launched. I know that the game was suffering a little bit from some crashes early on. I personally experienced one or two during my time, lost a couple of hours of progress, but uh, I, I came back to it like la late last summer in the fall and it looks like a lot of those, you know, technical issues were worked out, the stability of the game. I, I didn't have a single crash later on as I was playing it. So it yeah, certainly good. is a more difficult game to play. Like, it's probably one of the hardest games I've ever played because that if you die, you go all the way back to, be to the beginning. But thankfully, once you've reached certain points in the game, you can kind of fast track to that spot from the beginning to later on. So you don't have to go through each and every single room from the very beginning like you would on your first playthrough once you get to different spots so once you beat that first boss once you beat that second boss you can kind of fast track your way to the other spots in the game that you really want to get to but yeah we totally recommend it it's so fun uh ex excited cool. and really happy for it but we are moving on to our next part of the show which is we are talking about what we are currently playing and for me two weeks in a row it is yet again Elden Ring and oh boy I so I streamed a little bit of Elden Ring this past week uh and I tried the multiplayer like co-op for the first time with a friend which was a lot of fun uh this person had played through quite a bit of the game so it was fun to get kind of get their perspective on various things and various challenges in the game which was just such a blast and you know fighting a boss with a friend is it's always nice to have someone have your back but we we did the millennia fight for i think it was like an hour and we just could not beat her for, for those who don't know millennia is the character in elden ring that is she's been in all like the promotional material she's the one with like the red hair with the really cool helmet the giant sword and you fight her towards the end of the game uh which is i guess where i am right now i'm towards the end of the game and she is considered by by many people one of the hardest bosses in any from software game uh and basically like my best way of describing her is that she's a bloodborne boss in a souls game so she moves so fast compared to you but you cannot move nearly as fast as her uh, she has an ability where she will life steal from you every time she hits you which makes it very difficult kind of like bloodborne uh and she also has an attack that is almost undodgeable with like this Final Fantasy VII-esque like whirlwind of attack and it repeats three times. So if you didn't get killed by it the first time, you have a chance to die from it a second and a third time right after that. But yeah, I didn't actually end up beating it with my friend. Later, uh, actually yesterday, I played against her and after a couple of hours of trying, I ended up beating her. It was probably one of the most satisfying boss fights that I've played in, I mean, a very long time. Uh, it's just one of those boss fights that's so well designed it's so quick that you know you can keep coming back and doing it over and over and over again but it really speaks to the level of boss design in from software games i think it is one of the pinnacles of their bosses that they've ever made uh still have to play more of their games but thus far from what i've played an amazing an amazing feats and you know if, if we have if we do awards at the end of the year for like best boss battle uh i am definitely nominee Molina as boss battle of the year because she was incredible but Andrew I know you've been playing some Splatoon 2 how are you finding yeah. it yeah you know it's it's um Splatoon 2 it's one of those that I just love going back to um 
you know, I've had phases where it was just pure Splatoon 2 gameplay um, day in and day out. And, uh, you know, then I'll put it down, play something else. And then, you know, I always kind of find my way back to it. So it's one that I've been playing um, a lot more recently, especially with Splatoon 3 being announced. And now we know when it's going to be coming out. But, um, you know, so many great things to say about Splatoon 2. Uh, if you um, are interested in 3, definitely check out 2. I think there's they're using the same uh, they're using the same engine, uh, and you know I, I think you're going to see a lot of similarities um, going into three, having played two. So uh, if you want to get prepared, if you want to you know um, if you want to kind of work on your technique and you want to uh, you know kind of have a, a, a leg up on a lot of the newbies that start in Splatoon three, play Splatoon two. So uh, it is a um, it's a shooter, but a very unique shooter. We talked about in our earlier segment how the goal is to paint the floor and your surroundings just as much as it is to um, shoot or splat the opposing team. There's a lot of different cool modes um, that I'll just run over briefly, but there's a nice there's a really cool um, story mode uh, that introduces you to the gameplay mechanics. So if you're starting off, I highly recommend you start there. Um, and you know, if you've ever played Splatoon 1 or Splatoon 2, just to get acquainted with the controls, um, highly recommend motion controls over stick controls. You're gonna get a lot better accuracy that way. Uh, and the Nintendo Switch Pro Controller is excellent for, for this game. So um, definitely use that controller with motion controls on it it'll it'll seem really weird and odd at first but um going through the story mode will will definitely help you get your feet wet um for gameplay modes the one that i've been playing a lot is turf wars and it's a very simple mode and um and and the goal is really to just paint as much of the map as possible with your with your three other team members so you have two teams of four they're just going head to head and you're trying to um, you're trying to paint as much of this map as possible, and um, defeating the enemy in the process. Uh, taking out all these enemies are definitely going to help you, um, you know, get the risk out of the way. The uh, you know the the uh, the risk of of getting hit and you know having to kind of regenerate and start from scratch. Get them all out of the way. Paint as much of the map as possible to win. Um, so it's a very simple mode. One that's very, very fun, very easy uh, to, to get into. Not a whole lot of, of strategizing uh, that you need to do to, to get that one done. Uh, just take a look at the, the over map for, uh, to see where the enemy team is going and try to uh, try to take them out. So Turf War is a good one. Uh, there's also some other modes here to uh, make things interesting. You have ranked battles, uh, which consist of splat zones, where um, you you want to cover certain parts of the map with your with your ink. Um, so this is like a localized version of, of Turf Wars. So it's usually this rectangle rectangle that's placed in the middle of the map, and you're just trying to um, paint that rectangle and keep it painted for as long as possible within the three minutes of of the game that you're playing. Is it like uh, a King of the Hill? Team. Kind of, kind of, yeah. yeah. 
Exactly, exactly. So, yeah, it's really cool, um, you know, uh, and, and it makes for some pretty intense um, gameplay, pretty intense gameplay if you are against a team that is also, uh, you know, quite quite aggressive and strategic. So there is splat zones. There's also tower control. Uh, so you're riding a moving, moving tower into enemy territory. Uh, the way that this tower moves is that you have to have it painted and you have to have a team member that is um, standing or crouching on top of this tower. And so as the tower moves along, it's moving into the enemy base. You want to keep it moving all the way to the finish line. Uh, so, you know, you're trying to defend the tower, you're trying to take out your enemies, and you're trying to do, uh, you're trying to paint as much of the map along the way as possible to ensure success. So that's another quite uh, interesting mode. And then we have Rainmaker. So there's a special weapon called a Rainmaker and you're carrying it to the enemy base. So, <laughs> um, you know, it, it's highlighted on the map so your enemy team can see who is carrying the Rainmaker. But, uh, you know, you, you're gonna wanna coordinate with your team members, you know, jump over things, crouch under things, um, you know, uh, clear out the way so that one of your team members can take the Rainmaker all the way to the enemy base and uh, you can claim victory. There, there's some really cool modes there <laughs> for ranked battle. And then you have uh, one more, it's League Battles, and this is one where you can pair up with friends uh, and you can, um, and it's really for competitive players here. So, you, you know, you're really going to kind of um, get a chance to show off your skills and uh, it's, it's, it's quite intense. To be honest, I haven't really um, dabbled too much in League Battles and Ranked Battles. It's mainly Turf War for me. Uh, it's just one of those that I enjoy playing and just turning my mind off and, you know, just painting as much of my surroundings as possible. But there's a lot of cool things here. Um, I'm sure they're going to have a lot more interesting modes and, you know, new specials and sub-weapons and main weapons in 3. But definitely check out Splatoon 2 to get your feet wet. Yeah, that sounds great. And and here I was the whole time playing Splatoon one, using stick controls. It, it's it's good to know that <laughs> I probably should be using the motion controls if I'm to hop into three. That that sounds really good. <laughs> Definitely, yeah. It's gonna help with your aim and your movement. <laughs> yeah, no, that makes total sense. Okay, and moving on to our final section of our show today, we're gonna be talking about soundtracks. I don't have any today, but Andrew has one from a game that he mentioned earlier. Yeah, so Xenoblade Chronicles Definitive Edition, um, near and dear to my heart, um, in honor of Xenoblade Chronic Chronicles 3 that we'll be releasing uh, very soon. I thought it would only make sense to uh, highlight three of my favorite soundtracks in the OST for Xenoblade Chronicles Definitive Edition. So um, not going to go over them a whole lot. If you're someone that likes video game music, uh, feel free to check them out. Hopefully my tastes are similar to yours and you really enjoy them. Uh, but the first one is You Will Know Our Names. The second track is Mechanical Rhythm. And the third track is Engage the Enemy. Now, um, one of the similarities that all of these um, tracks have is that they're very rooted in rock and guitar riffs. Uh, we have some nice violin in there that uh, Xenoblade Chronicles is known for. So they are some epic tracks, in my opinion, ones that get me hype, that get me uh, super energized. Um, so if you're someone that likes that kind of music, definitely check out those three tracks. Yeah, I you know what? I lied. I'm going to throw in one. I don't know the name of it, but the I just remembered the the music for the Melania fight in Elden Ring. So good. It's 
like this orchestral kind of uh, just so it just feels grand so when you beat her it feels amazing but yeah i'll throw that one in there for mine but that brings us yeah. to the sorry go ahead andrew no, i was just gonna say even if you don't know the name throw that one out there uh, yeah. i'm sure you know definitely go check that one out uh you know you can probably just youtube it like you know um elden ring millennia fight song right um and, and you'll find it so exactly yeah. it's just so good I, I feel like it'd be something i'd listen to you know if i wanted to get hyped up but yeah it does such a good job at creating the atmosphere for there uh, but yeah, that's that's the show that we have for you today, everyone. Thank you so much for joining. That brings us to the end of our podcast. We'll be back here again next week talking about more gaming news and stuff that we've been playing. Andrew, is there any final thoughts before we sign off? Just thanks, everyone, for, for checking us out, for listening to the podcast. <clears throat> it's one that Eric and I are, uh, are new to, so um, you know, hopefully we'll get better with um, more of the the, uh, with with more of them uh, as we go along. So um, please bear with us and hopefully there's something that you learned or that you could relate to that we talked about. Um, and we'll see you next time for another podcast. Yeah, and if you're interested in checking out some of our other work, Andrew, I'm not sure if you want to throw anything out there, but for for me, like I, I have a YouTube channel just called The O52, similar name for Twitter. And uh, I also make TikToks as well called Eric Yo 52 that's Eric with an A, where I talk about new games coming out and future indie games that are going to be coming out that are super interesting as well. So feel free to check me out there. Uh, we'll be back next week with more fun stuff. Looking forward to chatting with you yet again. And as always, have a fun time gaming, and we'll see you next time. Bye. Bye, everyone.